0: Are back with a bang. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. MMA edition. And let me pump you up and get you ready for a very special edition. Recapping the joy, the splendor, the amazement that was UFC 236 over the weekend in Atlanta. Your boy, BC, was cage side for two. Two. Of the most extreme fights in UFC in a long while, bro. Wow. People willing to give all. The next day, your boy BC gave all with a 14-hour travel day. But shout out to everybody who endured those tornadoes. We back. I'm a little bit washy, but that's life at 40. Your boy BC coming back with another lethal dose, of course, of that performance-enhancing audio. I back. Trust me. I bet. Yes, we are back with me to in, in, to to take this ride. Is my co-host? Let's face the pain together. Oh yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Brandon Wise coming back at you. No, Mikey Mormile this week. Wise, you're going to shoulder the load. Speaking of shoulders, sporting a new cat, brother. How is it?
1: BC, you had to walk through hell this weekend, just like Israel Adesanya, Kelvin Gaslin, Max Holloway, and Dustin Poirier to get back home to do this podcast. And now you're facing the pain with me and my new tattoo. I'm living a great life wow. right now. I'm at home. I'm not at the office today. This is going to, this might sound a little different to everybody, but we're going to have a good show today. My dog might bark randomly in the middle of it, just warning everybody who, uh, Tried to bite you in the face the last time you that saw me. That is true.
0: That is true. Ryder is, just, I don't know what he was doing to me, but, uh, we did ask GSP to comment on your sound quality. I'm not impressed by your performance. Hey, it's going to have to be what it is, but, uh, we're back. We're fired up. I know nobody wants to hear like your first world travel horror stories, especially during a tornado that did take lives. So much respect, but man, dude, you know, you know, you leave for the airport at 10 a.m. You get back at 2.30 a.m. What a friggin'. Life, But I'm back. I'm ready. I'm happy. I'm pumped up. What a week. Wise, here's the deal. Okay. It's been a rough. It's been a long two weeks to travel for me, but that's life at the top. You got to deal with it. All right, brother. I walked into the Phillips State Farm Omni Arena, whatever we call it these days in Atlanta little like, all right, let's get this show over with. You know what I'm saying? A little bit like, all right, it's my job. I'm here. Let's represent. We didn't happen to have a camera there this time around. I was just there as a writer. It's cool. And Wise, holy crap, you know what happened next. There are special nights in combat sports, right? Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder in L.A. in December was a special night. I stood up after that fight. My body was shaking just from nerves from that 12th round. And for the first time ever, I was dripping sweat ringside watching a fight. The only other time that has happened was Saturday night because I was wearing some tight jeans. And when I stood up, my legs were soaking wet from the intensity. And I didn't even know it. It's like I had wet my pants and nobody told me. I stood up and just from – I had to soak out my legs from the – it was swamp thing. From the intensity of these two – of these ten rounds. Tell me you can relate watching at home. This was insane.
1: First of all, you stood out so much on camera because you were wearing a bright orange jacket, and I was laughing every time they painted that side of the octagon. But, dude, it was just incredible. Like, the first couple rounds of that Israel Adesanya-Kelvin Gastelum fight, you're like, oh, this is a little bit more interesting than we thought it would be. Kelvin's doing a little bit more than we thought he could against Izzy, And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose in the fourth round where you're like, These guys are still alive? Like, how are they surviving these bombs? You know, it makes it makes a great fight
0: when there's ebb and flows wise. Sorry to cut you off. But when when and that's what this had, when there's momentum twists. It's not just when two guys run into each other. Like, here, I'm gonna be honest with you. Dan Henderson, Shogun Hua won, it's a top three or four or five all time fight. I have no problem if you say it's your favorite fight or it's the best fight of all time. But sometimes that's just two trains colliding. This fight had the stakes of a title on the line. It had two guys in their prime who hadn't yet really proven themselves. And then Wise, it had the back and forth where multiple moments you, you could have guessed that either guy was like one punch for being stopped.
1: I mean, so what, do you want to do this now or do you want to save this for later? Break down like top five all time and just see what you think on where this ranks.
0: Uh, Why would we bury the lead? Let's get right into (laughs) it right damn now, okay? Because this was special. And I know that everything that happens, dude, and that's what podcasting is today. That's what shows like First Take is today. Everything that happens has to be top five best or top five worst we've ever seen, right? you got to rank everything. But guess what? I don't know if you've ever seen the movie High Fidelity. It was written about me. I rank everything all the time. And watching that fight, Cage Side, Adesanya Gastelum, I knew it. It's instant fight of the year, and it's instantaneously, I'm going to say, one of the top five to seven fights in UFC history. It certainly right away had that feel of all-time great fight. And it's all everything I mentioned. It's the fact that there was a title on the line. So, yes, Dana White afterwards can call all of us who rightfully pointed out how ridiculous it was that there was a title on the line. He calls us all idiots now. He still doesn't get that you could just pay them more and whatever. Anyway, it had a title on the line. And both guys fought life or death. And it wasn't just the violence-wise. Again, Hendo Hua won was just violent. That's all it was. This was adjustments. This was guys coming off of the verge of looking like they're going to be stopped and making critical adjustments. This had the heart. This had everything you would want. This was an all-time great fight. When you compare with others... It could easily be in your top five. It really could be. Right. I'm not being crazy here.
1: So here's Tabology's rankings. They mentioned Shogun Hendo is number one for them. Lawler McDonald, two. The rematch from UFC 189 in 2015 is number two. Griffin Bonner from the Ultimate Fighter finale is three. Jones Gustafson, one, is number four. And Edgar Gray Maynard, two, from 2011, is number five.
0: Like all of those First,
1: are great fights. Personally, I don't know. I feel like Griffin Bonner just gets so much more love than it actually deserves because of what it meant to the sport. True. Like it was, it was a great fight, but it was also only, it was three rounds and just like a lot of just throwing hands. Like there was no technique, <laughs> you know, like there was just no setting up big shots. It was just crazy exchanges after crazy exchange. To me, I think I can see a spot for it in the top five, maybe number six. They, You know what they have six is Sun and Silva, the first fight where Silva gets the random arm, arm bar at the end of the fight to survive and save triangle. his
0: triangle. Triangle, brother, yeah.
1: I don't think that would be a top five fight or a top six fight for me because it wasn't a great fight. Like, well, it's Son one of those of just... weird
0: ones that's it's not rewatchable, but in the moment, it's one of the most epic things you've ever seen.
1: Right, but that was a moment. That wasn't in a whole fight. Like, he got dominated for a fight. NHL and was on right. No and
0: Andy had a broken rib, yeah.
1: So, to me, I think you can find a spot for Israel and Kelvin in your top five or six, based on what I'm seeing here.
0: Some of those fights were just outright brawls. The thing about Jones Gustafson, it's weird. That fight doesn't age well. I, I'm telling you, in the moment, that fight was the best fight ever, because there was a title on the line. We finally saw Jones get challenged. They fought five insane rounds. But you go back and rewatch it? It's not really five insane rounds. And you go back and rewatch it and there's some good pockets, but that fight, oddly enough, doesn't age the same well. I think this fight's going to age great. Do you know what this fight has? Do you know the moment that I realized that this is an all time great fight? That fourth round, I believe it was when Gaslam survived those two submission attempts. Was that the fourth or fifth when he did that? Um, when he
1: I was in that was, I think it was, I think it was the fifth.
0: Okay, so the fourth, he has Adesanya on the ropes, and you're like, oh, my God, he's going to do this. And then, of course, he goes for two takedown attempts, and we can break that down, how not smart in the moment that seemed to be. And then in the fifth, it looks like he's done, and he escapes the guillotine. Then he gets put in the triangle, and he escapes that, and you're just like, this has those old crap moments again and again. And then, of course, there's the wildness of that last minute, which just is just barbaric, like, could easily been stopped, maybe should have been, but... The referee gave Gastelum every possible chance to survive that. And holy crap, I can't believe he did. But, Wise, this had everything. This really did. And it had two and a half technical rounds to start it, where it's like Gastelum out-techniqued him in the first round. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. And then Adesanya made some incredible adjustments around two. And then three had a little bit of that. And then three started to get wild. So I almost think this is better than Jonas Gustafson but that fight just meant so much and it was a surprise. I don't know, man. When you get to this level, it is hard to really pick between them. But I think the bottom line is you're not wrong to say this is in that category. This fight belongs at that table. This fight was everything I'm telling you from the front row with a sweaty crotch that it actually that that it was. It was it. It was incredible. And I don't want to over or maybe understate the part that it's two guys 29 years old, 27 years old, whatever they both are collectively that are had yet to have their moment in UFC yet to really have that moment that tells you that they're a title legit title contender or that or that they're in Adesanya's case, everything he needed to be to live up to the hype and to win a fight like this. Both fought championship performances. I can't, like, I predicted the Gastelum knockout in sort of a trendy way thinking maybe Adesanya showed us against Andy Silva that he isn't that dude. Maybe Gastelum's got the right style to pin an upset. I never would have expected Gastelum to have the craft that he showed, to be able to make the adjustments that he showed, and then never would have expected that Adesanya's backbone was that strong. Gastelum gave an all-time great effort, Brandon Wise in terms of willingness to leave it in the center of the cage. And Adesanya was forced to be even better. And we saw everything he had in his bag. Everything. We don't usually get that. Do you realize that doesn't happen? We get prospects. We get Luke Rockholds who go out there and we're like, man, that guy really looks like he's the next big thing. And then they get knocked out. Luke Rockhold would have been knocked out by Kelvin Gastelum in this fight because Gastelum gave you an all-time great effort, but Adesanya was even better. That's why this fight belongs in the top five, six, seven, wherever you want to put it, but it's there, bro. Don't take away from it.
1: When you get to that point in rankings, obviously, you're just nitpicking. Like, you're just doing your personal favors, what meant the most to you at the time, like, for you, you're going to put this up there because you lived it. Like, you sat caveside side and listened to that crowd and felt the energy of those, those momentum swings when Gaslam has him on the ropes, and then all of a sudden Israel's got a combo that's just out of nowhere. So I think that that's what, like, those emotional attachments that people put on fights is why you get these weird top fives where you're just coming up with your own personal list. That being said, I think we both need to, like, revisit how we predicted this fight because i could not have been more wrong like you talked about it with me offline like kelvin Gastelum showed us so much in this fight man and it's really all i asked for when we when we talked about it on on last monday i said i don't believe in kelvin yet i need him to show me something for me to believe that he can go this distance with israel adesanya and that's why i just believed israel was just going to stay on the outside and try to Pick and knit and just like push him around basically because he could, he had the speed to do it. And then all of a sudden, Kelvin shows you I have this speed too. I have the quick hands. He's not going to be able to kickbox me, he's going to have to just straight up brawl with me. And I was just like, Oh my God! Every time he gets in range, he was just in his face the whole time, not giving him a second to breathe. And like you said, we can talk about it in a minute. When he clips Israel with a head kick, he hit Israel with the head kick. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? And I don't. Th- I think it stunned Israel that he got his leg up that high because Israel was like not there for a second. And going for that takedown was just so ill advised. I don't know if he heard somebody in his corner screaming for it, but even the broadcast was like, "Dude, you have him rock. Just go with that hammer left hand and drop him again." Like, I. I think he was on the way to winning that fight if he if he doesn't go for that takedown attempt because the fifth round then just becomes a nightmare <laughs> because Israel was like, right, I can't lose now. Like, I have five minutes left to go out here and win this title. I'm going to take this title from him.
0: And I love what Israel said after the fight, where after that fourth round, when he was almost stopped, he looked across at, at, at uh, Kelvin and was saying out loud, like, I'm willing to die here. like And that's, when you hear that, sometimes it makes you cringe, sometimes it makes you It makes you cringe in two ways. Sometimes what you're like, all right, dude, it's a, like, it's a sport. It's a fight. Let's not go there. And then other times it makes you cringe because you could die in there. It's the reality. But the fact that all four of these guys in the co-main and main fought like they were willing to die in there in Max's case, we'll talk about in a minute. It got, it it almost went too far where I was like fearing for his life. But in this case of this co-main event, I can't believe both were, both had that type of backbone mixed with the craft. You just nailed it again. I predicted Gastelum, in a trendy way, would get the knockout. I thought there would be a moment where he would explode with a counter shot, and we'd find out that Israel is a crafty great fighter. But guess what? is a bad luck sport. is a heartbreaking sport. You get caught with a four-ounce glove on your chin, and it turns it, and you're, you know, spacey for a minute. It's not that hard for somebody to jump on you and finish you. That's what happens. And for that not to happen was insane. But for Gastelum to have the craft to not need that. He didn't just have moments because he landed home run punches. He was so smart. In fact, I didn't realize how smart he was. And I'll shout out Luke Thomas from MMA Fighting who does the, what is it called? The Monday morning analyst that he does on the MMA Hour. Do you ever watch that stuff? I watched part of it this week and he was breaking down how amazing Gastelum's footwork was to get on the outside of Anasanya's legs and to then get back inside to line up these punches. There was a lot of brilliance, and I don't think any of us looks at Gastelum as that type of fighter. We look at him as a guy, it's like, oh, too bad he can't make welterweight, cause he'd be like a Johnny Hendricks down there, right? He'd be this slugger who could wrestle and knock you out. But he's really adapted to middleweight and, and, and upped his craft. And, you know, to close on the point about Adesanya's backbone, again, if he's not like, the real, right? As Iron Sheik would say, if he's not the real, He does not survive that fight because he was hurt in round one. He was certainly on the way of going out in round four. So you have to credit his heart, his willingness to die in there, all that stuff. But how about his takedown defense? Because as much as we want to criticize knowing what we know now and say, Gastelum, you went for the takedown twice late in round four when you had him hurt. Holy crap, what are you doing? In reality, Gastelum's a wrestler. Adesanya's not a ground fighter, not a wrestler. You know, maybe in Kevin's Kelvin's eyes, I take him down, I ground upon him, the fight's over. How about that takedown defense the entire fight? It's one thing when he does that against a Derek Brunson. It's another thing to do it on the title level against this type of performance from Kelvin. Is there a hole in Addy's game right now?
1: Hmm. I'm not sure because, like you said, his takedown defense and then the scrambling he showed too because – Kelvin did get him down at one point, and he got him against the side of the fence where you can control somebody. And Israel was just able to explode with his hips and get back to his feet. So I don't know. Like, we still haven't seen him in danger on the ground yet, but that's also because of, like you just said, how strong he is in preventing people from getting him down there. I think that his his body for that weight class, like his body type, because he's so long and lanky, is such a good – like. It helps him prevent takedowns because people can shoot in on him, but his limbs are so long that he's able to push off easily and prevent people from getting him down to the ground. I would say his weakness at this point is probably still that he keeps his hands a little low because Gasolom should not have been able to land the way that he did. And I think it just goes along with that Anderson quality that he has in him where he thinks he's crafty enough that he can avoid all these shots with his head movement and his speed. But with somebody that is as quick as Kelvin showed he was, it's going to affect him because he needs to stay in range to keep his shots. But he's also thinks that I'm going to be able to just sidestep or move my head enough and you're not going to hit me. And it's not going to work on the elite level. He's he's He is on the upper echelon of – Of all the pound for pounds, I would say in terms of speed, but he's not elite yet. I don't think he's like a pretty great avoidance person, but I don't think he's elite as he probably thinks he is.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, there there were certain things Gaslam did great that that I don't think he he I don't think Israel expected that. We didn't expect that out of Gaslam. I certainly don't think Israel did. And he did say afterwards that his footwork was off the first three rounds because he got rocked in that first round and was a little bit you know off equilibrium i mean that happens in big fights but man seeing israel in that post-fight press conference (laughs) his face was mangled i mean it was almost remember that saw mask you ever see the movie saw i don't f with the saw uh uh uh, sequels i did see the second one Uh, i don't f with you know any of other ones but that first one by the way brilliant movie and that saw mask he kind of looked like that afterwards holy crap wise i mean damn and you got dana afterwards saying We're going to make the all-Oceanic Super Bowl fight with him and Whitaker, which obviously is one of the best fights you can make in the sport. Both being, you know, Whitaker being from New Zealand but lives in Australia. You got Adesanya being from Africa but fights out of New Zealand. I mean, it's a great fight. I love two things here, all right? I love that Izzy's now like, hold up, dude. Let's not rush this fight. I just went through hell, and I fought four times in like the last, what, 13, 14 months or 16 months. Let's relax, you know? I just came off a vacation to take this fight. So let's relax. And number two, can we stop right now? Right the hell now. Now. Not later. Now. Stop it right now. In fact, let's let's call on uh uh Teddy Atlas from the boxing board sound drops to just remind us right now I need you to stop. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop talking about John Jones and Israel Adesanya. Why the how did why how the hell did this start? In fact I don't even care how it started. Stop. This guy's the next big thing in the UFC. He's skinny. He's a middleweight. Guys, there's a reason why Anderson never did the John Jones fight, the super fight at 205. You can criticize that he didn't find. He was going to lose that no matter what. Honestly, you can't beat John Jones. And it wouldn't make sense anyway unless he was the kind of star that ruled the middleweight division for like eight years. And you're like, all right, we got to make this fight happen. Hey, John, you have work to do at heavyweight. Stop fighting light heavyweights who don't deserve title shots. Go to heavyweight and fight Stipe and DC a third time. Stop this crap. Thank
1: you. Are you good now?
0: I'm good now.
1: (laughs) So I think this started because people were comparing Izzy to John Jones in a way with his style and his craft. And I thought that was kind of weird anyway, but I guess John was then asked about it and he thought it was an interesting fight. And then Izzy's been asked about it and he, you know, gave a typical Israel answer where he didn't really give John a lot of credit. He thinks that he wants to fight him eventually, but not yet. And then he said yesterday on Ariel Show that his dream setup would be to fight Whitaker, then fight the winner of Jacare Hermanson, and then fight John Jones. Which again, like you said, I I don't need that right now. But
0: it doesn't accomplish anything. That's the point.
1: But I get that, and it would also. I saw somebody say yesterday that it would also be the third person from middleweight to move up to light heavyweight to fight John Jones in the last couple of years. Anthony Smith, and now Tiago Santos, the other two. Um Hey, time out, Brandon it, Wise. Dear John Jones, you're the greatest of
0: all time. I'm telling you that. Greatest of all times, move up for challenges. If you had cleaned out your division and Izzy had cleaned out his and you're just trying to make a pay-per-view draw, that's one thing. Stop it. Stop this crap. Thank you, Brandon Wise. Sorry. I will continue to interrupt you to tell you to stop this crap.
1: Having said that... The amount of heat that there is now between those two Ah, would sell the hell out of a pay-per-view, man.
0: Nah. Now, you know what sells the hell out of a pay-per-view? John Jones against Stipe Miocic, okay? John Jones DC-3. That's what sells the hell out of a pay-per-view. I mean, come on, guys. Damn, right?
1: John Jones, get your s*** together. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting
0: for you, too. I get it.
1: I do. But I'm also intrigued. Like, did you see that video I sent you about how they brought in Israel to spar with Anthony Johnson before they thought Johnson was going to fight John Jones yes. so that he could mimic his style? It, it was interesting, man. Like, okay, but he, he doesn't.
0: He can't win that fight. Here's the deal, okay? And I don't. I'm not protecting Israel in this conversation because I'm an Izzy super fan. But let's be honest about what we have here. We have a potential star in Israel out of Sonya, but. We don't actually know if he's better than Robert Whitaker, so can we find that out? First A, and B, why would you run him into a, a fight he really can't win against Jones? It's not a style matchup that makes sense. He's, I think he's more of a, of a Anderson Silva clone than I do a John Jones clone, but he does have some John Jones qualities, and Jones is a bigger, better version. Jones is the greatest fighter ever. Brandon, it would be a lot different if John Jones was 38 right now, right? If John Jones was where Anderson Silva is in his career right now, it would be a lot different. You'd go, okay, here's the guy who has next against the guy who used to have and is hanging on. No, John Jones has right now and he has business to attend to north, not south, not even presently. Get out of light heavyweight. None of these guys can beat you. Thor on his chest. Thiago Santos can't beat you. Johnny Walker blew. Well, actually I'd watch that one. He has a chance because he's a friggin' <laughs> clown and he'll try some helicopter kick. Nobody else at 205 can beat you. Go up. Right? That's what men do. And he ain't a man. That go- Do I have to bring out all the boxing sound drops today? That's what men do, okay?
1: Folks, that's not the way men do.
0: No, that's what men do. Move up in weight. Alright? That, I mean... <sighs> What? Wait, Why is wait! It that hard? Did
1: you just give? Did you just bring Dwyer to I my did. show with you? Like, are you kidding me?
0: I did. Okay. God, I'm telling the truth. I won't back down from what I say from no man, or kiss no man's ass. Me ever, <laughs> ever. Okay, that's John Fury, father of Tyson. All right. I mean, look, I had to bring in Dwyer because you you have to understand, and if you don't listen to the boxing show, you will not get this. But you know.
1: I've looked at a lot
0: of guys. Wyre really has. He's looked at. He's looked at. In fact, many guys. So that's really how it works out,
1: right? Many guys. Yes. Many guys. Yes. Many guys. Yes. Yes. Looks subpar.
0: Yes. 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 Thank you. All right. Enough of that crap. Let's move on, please. If we're not seeing that fight, we shouldn't see that fight. Do you know what fight we should see before that? Andy Silva and Conor McGregor. That fight makes more sense.
1: Oh my God! Please stop okay? it. Don't make. Okay. Sense. So. I need to just address this because I made a semi-stupid joke on Saturday, and our buddy Matthew Coca yelled at me for it. I don't really want to see Robert Whittaker against Israel Adesanya yet. I wanted to see the rematch of this fight from Saturday again. I wanted to—I want them to run this back.
0: Nah, no, you can't. And I say that with full respect to Kelvin Gastelum. He fought his ass off. He fought the fight of a lifetime, but he clearly lost. In fact, he should have been stopped in that final minute if it was like a split decision where, you know what I'm saying, where there was doubt, but there wasn't doubt on the scorecards, and he kind of should have been stopped, he deserves a lot more than $150,000, I'll tell you that much. All right, You want to get into the salaries here? How much did Dana make from Saturday? Do you think Dana personally made more money than Kelvin Gastelum? Probably, right? Probably. That's the bigger problem here. We need Addy versus Bobby Knuckles we need it we want the best to fight the best in their own division we need it
1: who are you picking for that fight just seven months or however long they're going to make us wait until that happens because our buddy Jack Crosby says that he's taken Bobby Knuckles in round three to win that fight I man I don't know I, I think that's so even and so close like Bobby has a tendency to leave himself open like Israel does too, so I don't know if that fight makes it to the end of the round, end, of, end of five, but good I'll tell you God, what, I'll is tell you that this. gonna be a war?
0: When healthy, and he's had injury problems lately, so you can't question whether Bobby Knuckles is more Kane Velasquez down the road than prime Robert Whitaker, but when healthy, there's not a fighter in this game that I, maybe outside of John Jones, that I trust more that he can beat any style. That he'll just go in there and out tough and out well-round his opponents. Bobby Knuckles is the most well—he's everything Chris. we thought Chris Weidman might be. But Chris Weidman just didn't—he's an elite fighter. I know he's your guy. I'll give you that. He never beat Silva. So Silva lost twice. But Bobby Knuckles is like Chris Weidman on, like, 2013 Mohawk TRT, Vitor Belfort stuff. Bobby Knuckles is almost a perfectly well-rounded fighter. He has a backbone and a half-brother. I actually think just by being himself and trying to grind that fight out, he it gun to my head I think he takes the decision from Adesanya. I think it'd be fun, it'll be wild, it'll be everything the people down in that area of the world deserve and need. We'll be loving it from across the the ocean here. But dude, how could you bet against Bobby? Even though I thought Romero beat him in the rematch. All right, all right, maybe I (laughs) maybe
1: I, I, that's, I'm interested. I, I wanna see what it looks like. I say that every time we talk about these fights, I just wanna see what this thing looks like because I think Israel would be able to keep the distance better against somebody that he knows has the speed to stay up with him who's not, he's not gonna get surprised like he was with Kelvin. As for Kelvin, man, I don't know where you go with him now because he's, he, he's shown you now that he is elite at this level. I think anyway. I don't know if it was just a one-night elite, but I think he's up there enough that you can sell him as, like, a main event again somewhere else.
0: I was going to say, you reward him with a main event. That's what you do. You reward him with a main event, and I'm here's what I'm going to say. Don't give him a killer. Don't give him a Yoel Romero. Don't put him in a spot where he can lose two in a row and sell his soul in the center of the cage just by being a warrior. I think you give him a celebrity main event against... Not Biz Bing, who he already knocked out and was retired, but against an aging name. Alright, do we have any of those in middle middleweight? Kind of against Wideman. I got a Weidman rematch. I got an
1: interesting one for you that I if we can convince uh Mr. Nicholas Diaz to come back for one more fight.
0: Wow. That would be something. Give Diaz main event money? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that. That's not a bad pick. What if uh
1: Nah, he already fought Jack jacare and Jack has got a fight title kind of get him ready for a title if he beats that
0: that guy, herman well,
1: So Joel so Romero and Paulo Costa are supposed to finally be making this fight happen in June after Romero was had picked up pneumonia and was forced to pull out of next week's fight in Fort Lauderdale. So maybe, because Gaston's going to need a lot of time off to get recovered from that, what if he fights the loser of that fight in kind of like a de facto?
0: It'll take a while, though. I think you give him Weidman, because Weidman beat him. So that's the only real knock on Gastelum's recent record, right? So you give him Weidman. Weidman's a little – his stock is down. I thought, he, I thought he lost to somebody else.
1: Not recently,
0: right? I mean, he beat, he, he got a split decision against Jacare. Mm. Knocked out Bisping.
1: I, I mean, I can take the – I can understand doing the, the Weidman fight. It's, it's just a good. matter of where you do it. <laughs> Yeah. Is he gonna put are they gonna put it in Long Island again so that uh Chris gets all the hometown love again? That
0: wouldn't be a bad fight to put at the MSG card in November as like the third fight on the card fourth fight on the card? I could deal with card. that. Uh you're saying yeah, he hadn't lost before the Weidman fight since that split decision to Neil Magny back in twenty fifteen. He had been on quite a run. Beat Hendricks, beat Tim Kennedy, beat Belfort. Lost to Weidman.
1: Quite a run. <laughs> Quite a run of old names there, bud. They took the
0: win away from him against Belfort because of the marijuana metabolite, though. Can we get past that point in MMA history? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, great fight. Greatest fight. So I'm going to say this. I've seen a lot of great things. I'm a blessed man, okay? Not just Max Holloway. I'm blessed. Um, I've been cage side, ringside for a lot of great moments in sports history that involves people fighting. I don't know if I've had a I don't know if I've seen anything better than that fight in person, right? I, I mean, I was there for Wilder Fury. I've, I've, oh god, I was there when, when Bisping knocked out Rockall. That was pretty special in the moment. I, I, the only thing I can compare this to, and you were there as well, even though you were sitting on the rooftop, uh, UFC T17 <laughs> at MSG. Because of the three consecutive title bouts that all ended dramatically, GSP submitting Bisping, Rose knocking out, Johanna, what was the third one in that? Oh, uh, TJ DJ, the first one. Dude.
1: No, TJ Cody. TJ Cody.
0: TJ Cody. The first. You said TJ DJ. I say things, yeah. Um, the ridiculous nature of those three fights in a row and each time it gained even more like, Oh my God! I think this was better than that. I think this night was better than that because these two fights just, they grabbed a piece of my soul. As the fighters were losing parts of their soul inside the cage, they grabbed a piece of mine. Right? <laughs>
1: I get it. I um Phil Murphy said something on Twitter where he was asking if this was the two greatest main, co- and main event fights successf- successively of all time. And I kind of agree, but I also thought, like you said, the 217, like the three in a row where it's just building more and more up until the main event where you see GSP get wounded, like – he got clipped by a elbow from Bisbing where you're like, oh, he might not be able to survive this at middleweight, and then all of a sudden he's just right back in there and gets the submission at the end of it to crown to cap off like one of the craziest nights ever. Yeah, it's tough to argue because this was just so amazing. And I was fully prepared before those two fights to come in here and start bashing this card because there was not a lot of good on this before those two fights, man. Like you were sitting there, and you and you had to you had to deal with a lot of Boston Salmon and uh Khalil Roundtree Jr. Like,
0: hey, he looked great. Don't 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 be ragging on Roundtree. He, look, he, he looked. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry, Eric Andrews. You had to deal with Eric Andrews. Yeah, your
0: boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I think they made this such a great night. It was just. It was so special.
0: All right, let's break down that main event. Holy crap. Five rounds, Dustin Poirier really capping an insane run for him, winning the interim lightweight title. Dana White says, you're fighting Habib, brother, probably in September. There's some Abu Dhabi rumors out there. We'll get into that. But just this fight, defeating Max Holloway. Lots to say here. Um The, the greatness of that co-main being an all-time great fight, I think it did overshadow. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Had Poirier Holloway existed on its own, we're talking about the front runner for fighter of the year, fight of the year. We're talking about maybe not an all-time great special fight, but we're talking about holy crap, that was intense and insane. Holloway would not quit, right? I'm telling you, that you, fight was something.
1: You think fight of the year though? We would talk about it like that if, if the it, to me, me, to me, it. it was really one-sided. Like,
0: not don't ask for Habib as... that. Don't ask Habib
1: if it was. Habib scored as <laughs> a draw, bro. Yeah, that was that was wild. Um, I just thought that Dustin put on such a damn performance. Like we, ha- I not we, I had been begging to see something like this from him. Like I said last week on the show, and then came back like a day later that I picked Holloway on our show last week. But uh, the more I thought about it, I was just like, I just don't like this move for Max. I thought that this was going to be a weird situation for him anyway, and I just. I really believed in Dustin after seeing three straight fight of the night performances that he had put it together. He had the complete game plan to get this to that level and free watching the fight. Like you just see it. You could see the whole package from him. The first round showed me like what you were going to see for the rest of that fight. He get he goes out, he clips max early. Max then gets on the aggressive and he put him in the corner Similar to how he does with Ortega and how he did with um, Aldo at one point where it's like, all right, i am got you pinned. I'm just going to light you up with everything I got. I'm going to go balls to the wall. I'm going to throw hooks, everything. And old Dustin allows that to happen. Old Dustin goes, oh, crap, I'm stuck. How do I get out of here? This version of Dustin pushed out and got back to the center. That's where I knew Max doesn't have this tonight. I just could tell, like, Max was like, damn, that was probably my shot at doing this. He's going to light me up a little bit, but I should have been able to finish this fight from that point. I thought Dustin's game plan was so great. He didn't overshoot. we I was joking with you during the fight that he might have shot his load early when he went for the kill. But, man, did he survive that and still have something in the tank left after. So, I just, I was so happy for him because... That dude has been through so much with this company to finally get to that point. I'm just glad he didn't get there and then fail again because that would be one of the the like guys on the list for greatest people to never win a title. Yeah, I think
0: he made an incredible leap, dude, to get to this point. And this performance was insane. It was so good, and it wasn't just he's bigger. And by the way, like it was shocking. That first round was shocking in person because look. Max gave us five rounds of hell. Max was willing to die in there. We use that that term again. That is, he said, it's a bad term, but it was true. Max was going to give everything he had. He would not stop trying to win. So Dustin was going to have to be great. But his power, the difference in power, like I, I, I assumed Max would go to 55. I assumed because he's tall, that size wouldn't be an issue and that the power wouldn't be an issue ever. Look, he's not a giant puncher at featherweight. He's more of a volume guy. We know that. But I was shocked that his punches were not backing Dustin up and that Dustin's punches were moving Max around and breaking his face. Like holy crap. And you mentioned it, what made what added drama to this fight was that Dustin punched himself out if you will at the end of round 1 and suddenly Max is putting it on him. And I think there were even other points in this fight where and look, let's let's not let's not discount Max. He he may have won rounds four and five. If you're gonna if you're really gonna try to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him rounds four and five, he was just outworking Dustin. I thought he even had Dustin hurt for minor periods during that because he would just unleash like five, six, seven punch combinations right in Dustin's face. But for the most part, Poirier's defense was brilliant on this night. His setups were brilliant. The power difference was huge. And what a run, dude! What a damn run, Brandon! I never believed in this guy. He had flashy striking ability. I didn't think he had an elite chin. I didn't think he had an elite fight IQ. I didn't think he had the mental toughness because of how easily he could be lured into a brawl. Right? Like, I don't, I don't hold the Michael Johnson first round KO loss against him. People get caught, it happens. But Conor McGregor sort of disarmed him mentally and lured him into the exact fight he needed it to. I know that's a long time ago, but you really gotta stop and just applaud the maturity of who Poirier is as a man and as a fighter. And, and he's talked a lot about that, the promise he made to his wife having a child, how it matured him, and how he's, you know, he was on this podcast, you know, ahead of that second Eddie Alvarez fight and said he just started to not care. And once he stopped caring what critics were saying and stopped caring about the pressure that's on him and just tried to be the best he could be, everything changed. And I think that's ap- applicable for all of us in life, and I think it's inspiring. And holy crap, in this celebrity crazy crowded division, he's the guy who's ready to climb the mountain. Wow. He shouldn't be in the spot, Brandon. They offered this to Tony Ferguson. This division is so deep and trapped that it would not have surprised you if Dustin was the odd man out. Right? He was supposed to get Nate, which was – you know what that Nate fight was last year? That was a, hey, brother, you're fighting so well. You have three consecutive knockouts over Pettis, G, and Alvarez, and you went through hell in two of those. We can't give you a title shot right now because this is probably the deepest division any division's ever been in history, maybe save for, like, light heavyweight 13 years ago. So we're going to give you Nate Diaz at the Garden, and we'll pay you like it's a pay-per-view main. And then what happened? Dustin hurt his hip, and he pulled out. Bro, you never would have guessed that it was going to be him in this spot. Of course it would have been Tony or even Conor running back a rematch or even Nate or anybody else in this all-killer, no-filler. But Dustin... Just bide his time. And he was there. And they called him. And he was ready. And good lord, that was a great performance. Because in the end, Brandon, yes, Max Holloway shouldn't be at lightweight regularly. He shouldn't. He's not the same fighter at lightweight. But he gave a heavyweight performance. Because if Poirier wasn't who he needed to be on this night, he could have gassed and got stopped late. Or he could have, you know what I mean? Like this was that, it was that, Holloway was gonna give you everything he had. Poirier needed to be great and he was. So I'm going to marvel at the power difference in round one, but how we almost closed that power difference, and it became how great Dustin is. What a performance. I'm inspired. Right now, I'm inspired by him.
1: What did Dana White say after the fight about Max and the move up to 155? Because he was the one that yes. was the biggest proponent for this because he said there's nothing left for him to do at featherweight. I, I, there's more business for him at lightweight. Well, this wasn't exactly what he even planned on, and he got destroyed. Like, I, uh, could you imagine what Max against Khabib or Connor or Tony would have looked like? Because I don't know if he wins any of those fights now, now that we've seen what he looks like.
0: The t- I wouldn't have been scared for him against Connor. I would have been scared for him now, what we know now against Tony with that striking in his face, and, and I don't know, maybe against Habib. I mean, Max has a really good takedown defense. I mean, it's Habib though, he's gonna get him down, but. Right. Yeah, I would be afraid for him with guys on their feet who can just keep putting it on you. Connor's more of a sniper, he's gonna set you up and try to knock you out rather than try to bludgeon you, right? Dustin Poirier bludgeoned him. Tony Ferguson would, would, would probably have done bad things to him, but you're right. Dana was quick to force Max to 155, and he was quick afterwards to say, I need him at featherweight moving forward. The problem when you do these type of super fights when they don't, when they aren't needed, and this is why they did not used to do them, this is why you never got Aldo Pettis, was because the guy who loses, which again is typically the guy who moved up in weight, then kind of becomes damaged goods when he goes back to his own division. BJ Penn was damaged goods after GSP took his soul the second time, and Frankie Edgar got him out of there. and. I mean, TJ Dillashaw may have been damaged goods outside of the EPO coming off of that Cejudo loss, even though he was the guy moving down in weight, but that was, that really compromised him to do so. I hope Max can still be the same guy at featherweight. There's still some names there. I mean, he, you know, Max said on our show last week, we need guys like Moicano and some of those other guys to kind of get wins and separate—Volkanovsky the to get wins and separate themselves from the pack. I'd personally love to see Aldo against Ortega myself, but— um, Interesting by Dana there to just sort of contradict himself and be like, yeah, I was wrong. Holloway needs to go down, but let's not, like, Holloway would beat a lot of lightweights. But we are talking about the best division in the sport, and Dustin Poirier, who just showed he might be in contention for best fighter in this division. And, dude, I just never would have guessed it. And remember when King Mo on this show was like, I'm telling you right now, a year ago, the guy who's going to beat Habib, the only one of these lightweights who has the game to do it is Dustin. I was like, you know, that, yeah, but what's going to happen? Habib's eventually going to take him down, or Dustin's chin will give in, or he'll do something dumb. I don't think we can say that anymore
1: about Dustin. Yeah. I mean, since that, since he finally packed up from Louisiana and moved down to Coconut Creek to train, like with Mike Brown and, and with, um, our boy Conan, they've, like, just, (laughs) they've just helped improve his game so much. Like, Some of those shots he landed on max finish anybody like they finish Walter weights or middleweights. I'm thinking like there's so much power there and people have their questions about Khabib's chin already. Like unless Khabib immediately gets a takedown, I don't know, man. Like that's kind of scary. And I'll remind you again in the last four years, I think is what the stat is. Everybody who has claimed a lightweight title, has never defended the belt even one time. Just a reminder of that. Wow.
0: Who are we talking here? Let's go back. Conor McGregor, yes. Took two years off. Eddie Alvarez. Yes. RDA. No,
1: uh, yes. RDA. Was An- it Pettis. Pettis?
0: Did he get one? It's, I thought he got one. I
1: do But, again, it's been a while since a lightweight, because of how deep the division is and how many damn killers there are, has defended that belt more than once and I want to see what that fight looks like now. I, sorry, to go back to what we were talking about though with Max and going up, this was what I brought up last week when we were talking about what do we, what's this going to look like now if Dustin wins? Because to me, to me as a, as a hardcore fan for this sport, I'm like, if you're selling him as a main event now, as a featherweight champion, it's like, dude, he's coming off a loss. Like, this is kind of weird to sell a champion – a quote-unquote champion who's just lost, like, and got beat up because I'm worried that he's not going to look the same now featherweight. I'm not sure what this guy has left now because Dustin took some of his soul, man. Like, he gave all the praise to Dustin after the fight, but, dude, he – he left something in that cage with how messed up his face got, how bloody he ended up after that fight. I have my concerns now that Max might not be the same fighter.
0: It's crazy. that This is what we were talking about last year. I mean, and those concerns were justifiably so. And just when I buy in on him coming off of that hellacious win against Ortega, it's like this happens. But look, this happened partially because of the gap in size, but also because Dustin was great on this night. But dude... I wanted that fight to be stopped after round four. I was really starting to get scared because Max's face is falling apart, gushing blood. His nose is destroyed. He's got cuts around both eyes. This is where this sport this sport, boxing can get crazy and hairy, man, because he's not going to quit. That's who he is. I almost need doctors or somebody to step in and just be like, look, no. I mean, maybe this was closer on the cards than some people had. I, I had Dustin four to one with a 10-8 round, right? A lot of people, you know, all three judges had a 49-46, which is essentially the same score. Really only Habib and a couple others on Twitter were like, could that have been a draw? Well, no, no, it really couldn't have been. <laughs> Look, I'll say this. Round two and three were interesting, okay? D- round one, 10-8 round for Poirier. Round two, Max really made adjustments and dominated the first four minutes, and then Poirier rocks him late in the, late in the final minute. And you're like, ah, what am I weighing? All of Max's boxing against him getting rattled and staggering, probably give it to Dustin. And then the reverse happened to round three. Dustin controlled it with his jab and power shots, and then Max put on that, like, six-punch flurry in the final minute where people were going nuts and were like, wow, is Max, you know, backing him up? So if he gave that third round or even that second round to Max, and then, look, I gave him the fifth round, which is crazy because his face was falling apart, but he's the one who just kept coming forward and just lightened Dustin up. I just don't see how you get there to the draw. I, I, I mean, you've really got to just favor him in everything you do. He lost cleanly. He lost clearly. He fought like a man. Should we concern him? Yeah. He's been in one war after another, dude. This is who Max is. Yes, he's evolved his craft so he could have something like a ridiculous 13-fight win streak against the guys he's fought. And we do need to stop and pour one out for that. Like, holy crap, dude. He stopped Jose Aldo twice. He stopped Anthony Pettis. He stopped a determined-as-hell Brian Ortega. He beat Jeremy Stevens. He stopped Charles Oliveira. He submitted Cub Swanson. Like, he's that run was insane. But in that run, do you remember UFC 199, Ricardo Lamas? Do you remember that final, at the end of that third round, when they just banged brains for a minute and we all went nuts? I was there that night. It was insane. He's had those moments. He needs time off now. I know I just told you a couple days ago he's the best fighter in the world, (laughs) and I'm fine with him, but he just took 25 minutes of hell. He might be the grittiest fighter in the whole sport. He might be the most real. Of all these warriors in this sport, he might be the one guy who's coming out of that alley. Eh,
1: Justin Gaethje have a word Uh, with you about that. Yeah, that's
0: right. Let's hope they never fight each other. That'll be that will be
1: gross. Yeah. I was going to say when you were talking about how Max probably wins against a bunch of these other lightweights, he's probably up there. I mean, the top five at lightweight right now, I'm kind of worried about Max if he tries to take any of those challenges like just engaging against him would no, be No, no, no. Insane. Insane,
0: Brian. I don't we don't need that. He's got to go back. Look, go back to featherweight. Here's what's going to happen, okay? Volkanovsky's rising. He's probably one win away from being in that category, right? Right? It's your guy. Probably. Um, I think you gotta make Aldo Ortega and then the winner then the winner would fight Max for the title. That's fine, right?
1: Is it though? Dude, you wanna dude, see a third Aldo no, fight well, against Aldo's Holloway. not gonna win that fight, bro. He's not gonna win that fight. Come on. And you but you just told me that Izzy got Izzy dominated Gaslam and that that rematch doesn't need to happen. You you wanna do another Ortega Holloway after we saw that? I'm FB saying the division is
0: thin. Right? Division is thin. Or take a fight. No, you need, ass off. you know
1: who he needs to fight. He needs to fight Zabit. That's who he needs to fight. That's fine. That's fine. But can give, we get... Zabit, give Zabit, give beat another fight in between now so that, so that Holloway can get rested. But Zabit needs to get up there and give a challenge to that because that fight is going to be so weird to watch at 145 when you have, what is Holloway? 510, 511? Yes. And Zabit is like 6-3. <laughs> Fighting at 145 pounds. Wow,
0: wow! I just need a second to to get over that weekend. Wow, I need a second. Okay, wow.
1: You're good. You're good. Take your second.
0: Anything else? Movie on this card? It was okay. The rest of the card, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I'll give Khalil Roundtree credit. I know your boy was just there to get hit, but Eric Anders, but Roundtree looked impressive, and you know he had he had started to turn his career around. And then he ran into Johnny Walker weirdo and got stopped in 15 (laughs) seconds or whatever. I thought this was a really strong performance to come back and be like, no guys, I'm, I'm building something here. Are you a believer at all in him?
1: Um, if he's not going up against a wrestler or another brawler, yeah. Like he was able to just like his pacing with that front lead leg where he was just setting up his Muay Thai kicks was just insane. Like he went to Thailand to train for that fight and, I couldn't imagine the amount of pain that Eric Anders was in Sunday morning. Like, his leg was so swollen and bruised that it was like, ugh, God. God that was and gross. the sound that those kicks made was just gross. Like, yes, ugh.
0: It was disgusting.
1: It was absolutely gross.
0: All right, Wise, let's speed through what else we got on this card. Uh, your boy Nikita Krylov getting the uh, second round submission in the rematch with OSP. They've each submitted each other. So, uh, do we see a trilogy? Do we need it? That was, that wasn't a bad fight. I'll give your boy a lot. By the way, Nikita Krylov, 31 pro fights. None have gone the distance. One has (laughs) gone into the third round. Holy crap. Has there ever been a fighter to go this deep in a career and never see the judges?
1: I mean, that's my dream guy right there. Like, he just never has to worry about talking to a judge. He's got that mindset. I mean, no is probably your answer, but I mean, I'll be honest with you, I missed this fight because I was having so many issues downloading this pay-per-view. I don't know what happened with ESPN, but I, I'm hoping it was just a traffic issue on their site where every time you tried to buy it through ESPN+, Plus, it was like, time it out, uh, whatever, uh, unable to make complete purchase. And it was like, the most frustrating 45 minutes of my life trying to buy a pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, people
0: seem to have that issue. Dana said afterwards that they'll, they'll address that. It'll get easier each time. He doesn't care. He's cashing them ESPN checks, bro. Believe that. Um, do you think, by the way, weird question. I know they give away the early prelims and the prelims for free because those serve as an advertisement for the main card, right? It's a long standard tradition. They give away those fights. You watch those on TV randomly. You go, Oh wow, they're right. I do need to see this main event and you make an impulse buy. Would they sell more overall though, if they made all of these fights pay for play? If you, when you buy the pay-per-view, you're getting 15 fights. You don't get any for free. Would they sell more that way? Or am I, probably, probably not, right? I always wonder that.
1: I don't know. I mean, the way that it's set up now, it, the early prelims are on ESPN Plus, so you have to have the subscription to get it. Um, the only ones that are free are the are the four that get on ESPN. So I, I don't think so. I don't think they would sell more that way. All right,
0: we uh, the boy, your boy, the tarantula, my guy, got lost. The decision to Matt for Vola. <laughs> That was an okay fight. Wilson Hayes get dominated by uh, Alejandro Pantoja. Holy cow. First round TKO. Did not see that one coming. Dude, Wilson might be washed. Three losses and four going back to the Demetrius Johnson title defeat. I mean, he's fighting top competition, but holy crowd, Pantoja makes a statement in that division. And I got to talk to you about Max Griffin taking a majority decision in this welterweight bout from how we pronounce this guy's name. Zalim
1: Imadaev. Imid- yeah, I wanted you to get it wrong first, so I don't have to look embarrassed.
0: But uh can you tell your boy Ali Abdelaziz, the manager of Zalim, to get his guy in check? Did you see that? First of all, this fight had good action. It was a good-ass fight. And Zalim is, like, flipping Max off the whole fight, talking trash to him <coughs> in his face And then we find out afterwards that Max says he almost got attacked three separate times, including at the breakfast buffet line by this guy who was working overtime to try to get in his head. They even asked Dana about this at the press conference afterwards. Like, well, how do you prevent this from happening? This guy was straight up stalking him. This guy's a psychopath.
1: I don't know, man. That's, that's like above my pay grade. (laughs) Like that sounds like the Khabib stuff all over again, almost like where, Khabib goes out and seeks Artem to start that whole fiasco that happened at, uh, what was that? Was that 223? Yeah, Yeah, that was 223. It was
0: the greatest weekend of your life. (laughs) This (laughs) is number one bullshit. Yes, number one BS indeed. All right, that wraps up 223. Before we get into the latest news, see what's going on in the sport, how about we first hear from our friends and sponsors? Oh, heck yeah! Coming at you. And we're back. Your boy, BC, Brandon Wise, coming back at you. Hey, reminder out there, by the way, if you like this show, please, five-star review, hit us up, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume fine audio. Tell your friends, let's make MMA magic on a weekly basis. Let's make it happen, all right? Thank you. Hey, Wise, let's go through the news cycle here. There's a few things going on in this sport. Uh We haven't talked about Conor in a while, right? What the, dude? Okay, by the way, the last time we were on, we 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 tried for the second straight week to do a Conor moratorium. Look, it can't happen. It just can't happen because the guy's freaking the lightning rod of the sport. Obviously, though, Dana White talked to him and Habib to stop the kind of Twitter activity that would lead to race and religious riots. Right? Like, then that was the right thing to do. You're you're a giant financial company. It's 2019. Stop that crap. Uh Did Conor take it too far this weekend though, and turn into like company man? Like. Like, nice, respectful. Like, what happened on Twitter that just was weird?
1: I I don't think I've ever seen a fighter of his ilk, I would say. Like, just being like, hey, guys, you should definitely buy the pay-per-view this weekend. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to watch it, too. It's like, wait. Are Shout you a robot? Like, what did you just do?
0: Great <laughs> effort, Max and Dustin. You both are great warriors who have rebounded well from me defeating you that time. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably him as he's tweeting each one, right? Like, I'll show these MFers. You want me to play company guy? I'll play weirdo, right?
1: Well, well he also did. We should note that he said after when he said great job to Dustin and Max that Dustin's probably gonna get Nate next. <laughs> I thought that was like an interesting dick he just threw in there to see like, hey, that's nice, but I'm fighting Habib next, buddy, not you. Um,
0: there's been some inch, let's talk about that for a second. Cause I don't think we went deep enough on the, we know that du- Dana says Dustin's getting Habib next. Habib is eligible to return from a suspension in July. Uh, what did, uh, Dana said? He wants to do it in September-ish for this yes. uh, lightweight title bout. You know, remember that dude on Twitter, Front Row Brian, who got banned and then reappeared under a new name? <laughs> like, I know sometimes this guy, like, breaks news, and I know we know he's friends with Chael. We know he's some guy who's kind of connected in MMA and sometimes can come out with some real things. He brought up an interesting point that I want to talk about right now, okay? This division's crazy and deep. Conor does not deserve an immediate rematch. He got dominated by Habib. You might have problems if you make an immediate rematch. You know, you want to avoid all that, Okay. I'm talking about people running in the cage. Like, it's just crazy, right? Connor, you need to come back and win. So we've established all that. No need to go back into it. From O'Brien's like, hey, it's ESPN who has the control now. They're paying UFC the amount of, as we talked about, the the equivalent of if you sold 500,000 pay-per-view buys for every pay-per-view. They, like in HBO or Showtime, in boxing, are the new matchmaker. They have a say. They have a lot of say. Brandon Wise, could there be a scenario where ESPN has the power to overrule UFC's best laid plans and say, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? We don't need Dustin Habib. The, the iron's hot. Give us Habib Connor, too right now so we can make back all the money we put in right away. Uh, that's an example of a larger question, Brandon. Does ESPN have more control than we ever would have imagined because they are giving so much damn money to
1: UFC so my point I think would be that with the announcement before 236 that ESPN is now the distributor of pay-per-views would make that make sense because if ESPN is now controlling your pay-per-view product in terms of how it's getting to customers and consumers and the fact that you have to have ESPN plus now to even get the pay-per-view That makes sense, you know, like, I I think if you're ESPN, and I don't know what the the splits are with revenue and whatnot, but I would think that ESPN is now in these conversations with matchmaking, because how else are they going to get the content that they want, you know, like, that's part of the reason why next weekend in Fort Lauderdale, Greg Hardy's back in the fight game, and hey, he's the co-main event. He's not just still another also rain on the card. They want people to get in there and watch these fights and stay on their programming as long as possible. So I understand that thought, that theory. I also still think that Front Row Brian is your burner account Stop that you it. keep using as like <laughs> as a way to get out your weird theories and like support the uh, tinfoil hat wearers. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But I also think that Dana realizes dustin is something that he can build and sell i think that he realizes that's a good fight that people are going to be interested in no matter what because i mean to me connor is fine but you know what that looks like already like i yeah but it's not about that it's
0: it's not like it's it's a larger point it really is because brandon yes UFC was in sell-your-soul mode the last year and a half for pay-per-views, right? That's why we're seeing su- super fights when they make no sense. That's why interim titles are floating around like crazy. We thought because of this ESPN deal, it might bring us back to it actually being a sport again. If they're getting paid no matter what on the pay-per-views, then it should be. Next guy in line faces the title. That's what it should be. But it's worth at least pondering what type of influence and control ESPN will have. And I think you're right. We, let's not do Connor. Uh, Habib next, nor do we know if ESPN is pushing that. But that's a great example of a fight they could push. Will we see more, to us, as stupid celebrity matchmaking because that's what ESPN wants to regain their investment? It's
1: all very interesting. But see, to me, that's the other thing is that I think the celebrity stuff makes more sense here. Like, I think that you might see... To me, I think it's more likely you see Nate Connor 3 next before you see Khabib Connor rematch just because they think that can sell like, and you know, that's going to sell just as much as the Khabib rematch would.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Now, what, what's Connor in the headlines for lately? Uh, Now he's claiming – I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) we got to mention it. He's now claiming he broke his foot three weeks before. What's weird about this is not only is he doing those pro company tweets, but he's responding to fans and quote-tweeting them who were ripping him for his performance against Habib, and now he's making excuses and saying, oh, yeah, well, I happened to break my foot three weeks before the fight. No one knew that. Um, Yeah. Um,
1: It's just like, dude, why wouldn't you say that in your stupid Instagram post after you lost when you're like, oh, it was a good knock? Well, I still won all these rounds and blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, oh, I broke my foot too. Like, get out of here, man. You talk too much for your own good. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody.
0: He don't care about you. He don't care about your thoughts, your your beliefs. Just, you know. You drinking his whiskey still? You still putting money in his pocket?
1: Nope. Right. Jameson or my uh, Canadian whiskey I got on our honeymoon. All
0: right, shout out to Montreal and the uh, the Great Wise honeymoon. <laughs> yes, well, it, it, it snowed a lot. You're a Florida guy. Were you okay with that?
1: I was until I fell.
0: Right. Story for another day. I, <laughs> I guess. didn't.
1: Have, I didn't have boots, man. I was walking around in my sneakers. Okay. okay.
0: All right. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, Connor makes his weekly appearance in our show. And, uh, something we talked about, but didn't know the reason until now that the TJ Dillashaw, uh, what was the term they used? He didn't fail the test. It had, what's that term that you saw to use us now when you fail a test, but now they they can say you didn't fail the test. Instead, you had inaccuracies or whatever.
1: Adverse, fi- an yeah. adverse finding. Guess what
0: an adverse finding is? You did drugs and you got caught. All right. TJ Dillashaw's <laughs> is EPO, that cycling thing, that blood doping thing when you t- take somebody else's blood or you take your own I don't know at a different temperature at a different time and you plug it back in your system and it increases your energy and stamina and all that it's a synthetic hormone that your body produces but of course they're using it illegally shooting it in and that's what TJ did he willingly accepted a two-year suspension but the weird thing is we find out afterwards that USADA was not testing for this previously and that's why no one else outside of Glyce Tebow has ever popped for this in the past, that they just started to test for this. Even Dana was like, oh, crap, we got to get on top of this. But did they go back? Did I read that correctly? They went back and retested TJ's blood from all these fights. Is that true?
1: Mm-hmm. And did he call? back? They, they still – what Nowitzki said this week was that the two – they went back and retested the ones from the Cody fights because I guess that was like where Cody was <laughs> – giving hints that it might be EPO even then. And they tested those blood samples, and they came back negative. Hmm. So I found that interesting that it seemed only related to this fight, but you don't know if he had masking agents or anything. It's a weird thing. It's hard, dude.
0: I mean, this certainly puts uh, question marks over his whole career, even with the news you just mentioned. But it's hard. We're at the point where it's like, dude, wake up. Everybody's using – everybody's using something. Right. Like, wake up. We I hate to get to that point, but you almost have to in every sport. You have to. Why are people in in their late 30s having, you know, renaissance runs in every sport? It just it's it can't necessarily be all training. It's all it's all a big joke crap. Shoot. Um, the thing for TJ that sucks for him the most is that this two year band brings him back at age 35. Like he's not young right now. So he comes back at 35 You don't want to say he's done. He's clearly not done. I mean, Rafael Asunzo at, like, 38 is still a factor in this division, but this certainly – this hurts. This hurts bad. And now everybody's taking their shots at him, rightfully so, but it hurts bad for him.
1: The interesting thing to me was that he posted this Instagram video sitting in a chair with his arm in a sling, like, just, like, talking, like, really sad, like, beaten up uh about how much he let everybody down and that it was only his decision. Nobody else had anything to do with this. And he also said that he's getting double surgery, double shoulder surgery and double rotator cuff surgery. And it's something that he had needed to get done for years, but had put off because he finally got back to winning a title and was trying to become a double champ. It's like, dude, if your body's that beat up, why, like, why are you taking that? I understand, like, the money and the prestige of trying to become a double champion was so, like, such a big factor for you, but like, dude, take care of your body, man. Like, clearly you were broken, and that's why you decided to make this decision to do EPO, because you felt like you needed something to give you, get you over the top. But, man, at some point, your body's telling you that it's hurt and broken. Go take care of it, dude. These
0: guys have small windows to make money. Like, <laughs> like you really got to understand that. We're we're crying about the the fight purses for this past weekend when we saw two of the best, you know, two of the better fights we've seen in a while. Guys literally emptying out the jug of what's inside of them, and they're making hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand. I know there's pay per view points on that, but it's not what the boxers are making. And you know, boxing is a very all or nothing sport. You either make or you don't. They make seemingly a lot more. I get it, dude. I get why people take it. I get it. I get it all, dude. It, it is what it is. It's tough, man. It's a tough. It's tough. It's tough. That's all I can tell you. It's tough, all right? As much as I want to say burn these cheaters alive so nobody else ever does, do you think it's more like 99% of the guys are using it and we need to wake up? Or, like, where are we on
1: this debate? Are, are you using what, though? Using something. EPO? Everybody's using something, right? Well, yeah, but... <sighs> That's to me. That's just such a broad term because yeah, everybody's using something, but that doesn't mean that it's performance enhance. It's everything is performance enhancing, right? Like if you take if you're having a protein shake after your workout, that's quote unquote performance enhancing. Like my thing is, if you're a TJ and there's somebody took a picture of you in front of your line of pill bottles before that fight against Henry Cejudo. Yes. That's, like, our, like, red flag alert. Red flag alert, you know? Like, you should not be taking that many supplements if you are, like, healthy and trying to make a weight for a new weight class. Like, I don't everybody know, I is on something. Conspiracy
0: theory. UFC, UFC pushed Union Yes TJ into a fight that made no sense to try to build a star on Cejudo. And which, by the way, talk about latest news. Now both Cejudo and Dana White are reporting... At UFC 236 over the weekend, that the flyweights are not dead. So if the flyweights are not over with Brandon, why the hell is Henry Cejudo fighting for the bantamweight title? Tell me in a division that has names now. Tell
1: me, man. I could not tell you, and i I will be the I will join the party in saying I am done with Henry Cejudo because. I was on the team with him. I picked it. I was very happy for him to knock out TJ. I thought that was an awesome moment. But man, has he gotten annoyed in the it's last corny. two months. It's like... pretty damn corny.
0: Yeah. He was cutting pro wrestling promos in the back at UFC 236, ripping everybody. It just, it was very corny. Yeah. That's what, that's that. All right. What else is going on in the news this week, Brandon? Uh, speaking of the flyweights, what, what do we got going on here? What kind of fights coming at us?
1: So we got another one for. UFC Minneapolis, that card. Oh, we didn't talk about this last week We when we were running down all the fights that got announced. We somehow didn't get to mention Robbie Lawler, Tyron Woodley rematch is going to headline that card.
0: I thought we debated that or was that only offline?
1: That was only offline because that was we had so many other fights that we ran down. We just never had a chance to get to it because I thought it was we debated the that the week thing. before.
0: I thought we've had this debate. I'll have it again. That No, we had this two weeks ago. It was it was out there. You hate this fight for some odd reason. This is a great ass fight, and it makes sense for ev- no, we've talked about this on the show. I'm not giving it again. I'm not doing it again. I'm not.
1: <laughs> all right, whatever. It still doesn't make sense to me. it but makes a ton of sense. See-
0: it's entertainment. It's fantastic. It's great. Two old guys coming off of losses. It's fan friggin' tastic, all right? Nope. And it sets I won't up it a trilogy. To you. It really does. Uh so we got on the same card, we got A Formiga, Joseph Benavidez. Two why are we seeing this fight? Yep. Benavides deserves a flyweight title. He beat the champion in a fight of the year three years ago. Why are we doing this?
1: Stay busy, man. I, that's all I can say. It's to <sighs> stay busy to keep him active while Henry goes to bantamweight and tries to win another title. It's just again, again with this champion, champion, champion thing. Like, what happens if Cejudo gets beat down by Marlon Márquez in Chicago? Do you send him back to Bantam to flyweight and assume that he's still the champion there, or do you, like it's a worst case scenario in both
0: ways? I'll tell you why. If he loses, then he becomes a damaged champion going back down to flyweight. If he wins, then he joins a historical group that he doesn't belong in because he didn't actually beat Demetrius Johnson. If any champion deserved a rematch in the history of champions in the UFC after losing a fight, it was Demetrius Johnson. He was injured in two places in that fight, and I still thought he won. And I know he got traded right after, so we never saw it. But guess what? He knocked out a debilitated TJ Dillashaw. On top of that, it doesn't make any sense at all. I hate it.
1: Well, it's not even it's not even that elite class thing that I'm worried about. It's if he wins at bantamweight, he's probably going to stay at bantamweight. <laughs> like there's no why would he go back to 125 to to deplete himself again just to to appease Dana White? Like why wouldn't he just stay at 135?
0: And then if he's if they're gonna leave him at bantamweight, why keep the division for for what for Joseph Benavidez? Like it just it's man. The more I yeah you know, I I don't want to whine for an hour, so let's roll on out of here. All right. The late, other latest news is the UFC Hall of Fame induction July fifth. That's a Friday night International Fight Week. We already knew it was going to be Michael Bisping. Now it's fellow former middleweight champion Rich Ace Franklin. Be wise. I'm happy for the guy. He deserves it. He probably deserved it on day one, considering Matt Serra with an 11-7 and records in that same Hall of Fame.
1: That's when they started rolling this on Saturday night. I was like, wait a minute. Rich Franklin's not in the Hall of Fame? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, he's one of those original dudes that you think of when you think of UFC. For me, anyway, like, he was around at the time when I first got into this, when it was still kind of underground a little bit. He was the guy who we thought was going to beat Anderson Silva because he had the belt at the time. I, I loved watching Rich Franklin just because his backstory was so interesting to me. Like he was a damn school teacher who would do this on the side and he was so good. Like he had some huge wins in his career that everybody will most likely remember. I'm trying to think of like the Chuck Liddell knockout was just insane. Like, To me, he should have been in a long time ago, and the fact that he's finally getting in, it's, it's overdue. Like, we joke about how much this, this, this Hall of Fame is like, why? Like, every day. Like, we can't wait for one in five after beating Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm to make the Hall of Fame in a few years, because that's just what they're gonna do. Like, Rich Franklin deserved this for the last five years.
0: And he probably didn't get in early because they reward company men. That's why Matt Sarah, who's on the UFC podcast and who does the show with Dana, gets in. And and that's probably why it took Rich a a while because guess what? Right now he's not a company man. He works for one championship as a vice president. So that's sort of the deal on that. Look, he came at a perfect time. He was sort of a perfect champion. When UFC's MO at that point was to try to become mainstream and to try to prove to people we're not like boxing, where it's all a bunch of guys who, if they weren't fighting, would be on the streets doing bad stuff. We have Chuck Liddell, who has a college degree in, in accounting. We have Rich Franklin, who's a has a master's degree and is a teacher by day. He was sort of the perfect guy, and he was a very well-rounded, honest, hard-working, tough fighter. Of course, we'll remember the brutal losses to Anderson Silva, the two of them in title fights, lost the title to Anderson the first time. But, look, he's had some great wins. And he had one of the better endings to his career, and I would say, look, he just lingered and he made fun fights at middleweight or light heavyweight or at catchweights, and he was just a fun action fighter, and, and I love the guy. I'm happy for him. Uh It's about time that we see him in there. End of story. Roll it on. What else we got?
1: Um, The only other news item I really saw this week was uh Nick Newell is going to get another shot in the cage. He's not going to be on Dana White's Contender Series again yet, though I think that that might be in the works, but he's going to fight in whatever CES is against Calvin Hackney later this month. I think that's in May, actually. So
0: CES is a local New England, uh I think it's out of Rhode Island, possibly, MMA outfit. Yeah, look, this is fine. Look, Nick Newell can fight. I don't think he's UFC level, and I think he kind of showed you that. I know he got to the title level at World Series of Fighting, and Justin Gage, he beat him, and he's a great inspirational story, no doubt about it. Keep fighting, but... I'm glad that he didn't, let's say go to UFC just to make a good story, right? They gave him the try. It didn't work out. That's what happens
1: yeah i hope I hope he does like eventually work his way up and maybe he gets on contender contender series again and maybe Dana rewards him if he's actually like really impressive. but yeah, if he can stay in cES or another smaller organization and build himself back up, I have no problem seeing him in UFC i I think he would just be such an inspiration even though Dana is still like I don't know about this man like well, this is still to... a little sketchy for me.
0: It is a little, I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough spot to be in as a promoter. That's not a bad like let's say he puts him in there with a the guy and the guy destroys him. That's not a bad that's not a great look for a promoter. Cuz then you have people go and look look what Dana White did to this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I it's a it's an interesting debate, Brandon. Cuz certainly he has the skills to show you he's a He's, you know, a very competent professional, but there are levels right. to this. You, as much as you wouldn't want to see him only get an opportunity to make a good story, you also wouldn't want to see him get held back to avoid a bad story. So that's why it's a gray area.
1: Yeah, I, I hope that for his sake, he, if he does get to the point where he's just overwhelmed because of the disability that he's trying to overcome, he just decides, all right, I, I, I know. Now that I can't do this at the elite level, you know? Yeah.
0: No, I miss, I miss the Boogie Woman.
1: Boogie Woman is coming tomorrow! And she doesn't know it's coming!
0: I hope Boogie Woman comes back and gets another fly, uh, Strawway title fight before she's done, I love Boogie Woman. It's kinda of weird to see her career kinda, of, not crumble, but, you know, lose two title fights at Strawway and then lose badly to Valentina. I hope
1: there's still life
0: for Boogie Woman.
1: I feel like we haven't heard from her in, like, months.
0: I mean, she's very active on Instagram. Do you follow her there? She's all over the place, all over the world, always doing stuff.
1: You told me about that, like, a month ago, and I still feel like I haven't heard from her. Like, when was that Valentina fight? Was that January?
0: I don't know. But Boogie Woman is coming. She will be back, okay? Because there are three things (laughs) in life that are certain.
1: Water is wet, fire burn, and I'm gonna beat Michael Bisping.
0: All three, okay? All three are are certain. I will sm- I will smash you, boy. I will smash him. All right, let's get into weekend preview time. Uh, we gotta we embark on on the box show. We have Do you care? Do you care about this weekend's fight from Saint Petersburg, Russia? This fight card. It's a UFC fight night. It'll start at 10 a.m. with prelims on ESPN. Two main card. 1 p.m. Eastern on the damn plus ESPN plus headline by heavyweights, Alistair Overeem, or as Dana would say, Alistair Overeem taking on Alexei Olenek. Do I care is what you're asking me, Brandon.
1: <laughs> I didn't even ask you that, but I think I already know your answer. <laughs> no,
0: I don't. I don't. I don't really care. I mean, look, every Overeem fight is usually fun and worth watching, but this card sucks. Okay, dude. It sucks. It really does. All right? Tell me why I should care, please.
1: I mean, to come the high that we're riding right now from 236 with those two fights, the come down to this is just insane. I don't
0: like, want to come back down from this cloud, bro. It t- it's taken me all this time to find out what I need. Okay, last Saturday night, that's what I need. Atlanta, I don't need – I mean, are you fired up for Islam Makachev versus Armin Sakurayan and the Colmaine? Are you fired up for that?
1: If I'm being honest with you, I think I've heard of maybe six or seven people on this card total.
0: I get like, that this card's not for us, right? It's, it's a card in Russia to build a Russian fan base. Obviously, it's it's uh, it's televised so we can see it. But um, I, I'll i tell you, I like one fight. I do. I like Roxanne, Roxanne Montefiore against Antonina Shevchenko. Not just because... That's the best division. Or wait, is this at flyweight? Or is this at strawweight? That's flyweight.
1: That's okay. flyweight.
0: I was gonna say, if it's at strawweight, that's my division. It's a flyweight fight. Look, Roxy's is the is the definition of a gatekeeper at this point. She's tough. I want to find out if Antonina's for real. She's the sister of Valentina Shevchenko, the flyweight champion. She's looked good so far. Made her UFC debut. She's seven and zero as a professional. I don't know if you follow the sisters Shevchenko on Instagram at all, Brandon. <laughs> no, nothing. You got nothing for me. Nothing? No? Nope. Oh, <laughs> so you got a haircut? Do they like your hair? I like my hair.
1: I hey, like, my hey, hair.
0: That's that's like my hair. The mama like my hair. Yeah, I like their hair too. Um, yeah, I want to see if Chechenko is for real. This would be, this is good matchmaking. It's the type of fight. You know, the Roxy happy warrior thing wears me out quick, but she's, she's tough and she's crafty and weird. So it'd be a good fight. After that, don't call me. I'm not watching. All right.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I think they're trying to set this up as like, if Alexi wins, he's like, Number three in line for a title shot. It's just like oh, okay, great. dude. That's
0: great, bro. That's fantastic.
1: Whatever, whatever. Marchin Tiber is back this weekend wow. too.
0: By the way, do you know what Ale- Alexi Olenek's career record? Fifty-seven, eleven, and one. <laughs> Good God. Forty-one years old. Sixty-nine pro fights.
1: Nice. Yeah. All right. Hey, He's that's... I mean, he's gonna. He... He gets these random wins, man. It's just like, I, I hope he beats Alistair. Like, what, so wait, do the math for me real quick, BC. 44 and 17 Alistair Overeem against 57 11 and 1 Alexio Linick. What is that?
0: It's a lot of damn fights, alright, bro? It does not, <laughs> does not get me excited, okay? It's foolish, all right? His chin is deteriorating. Yeah, both of them. Both of them. I mean, uh, Overeem, look, it's not really fun anymore on Overeem. You know what was fun when he was juiced to the gills with dream and strike force? That was pretty fun, right? Prime over him before that and pride, real fun, alright? Even over him effing around in K1 and fighting Badr Hari, kind of fun. Over him kneeing Brock to the belly button, still kind of fun. <laughs> Washed over him now, not really that fun anymore. I think it ended with when Travis Brown took his soul.
1: When, no, dude, it ended when Francis and took his soul. That's true, that was one of the the nastiest, uh
0: yeah. He has two wins over Verdum, though. Shout out to Overeem. Yeah,
1: all right. And uh, and Junior.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah, Junior really wants to run that back, but I don't know. Anyway, wow, we went from high to low in a in a heartbeat on this show. But back to being high. Two thirty six was everything. Revisit that collaboration. Watch that those fights again. Tell me that's not awesome. It was awesome this weekend. Remains to be seen. Uh, Be wise. What else you got? You got anything else? What What are you doing? What What do you got? Anything? You You're training. You're training for our sparring match, bro. I'm coming off for two weeks on the road. I'm the fat base tard. Okay. I think you can (laughs) you can say that an hour into the show. I think by this point there's no rules. Um, dude, you're you're ripped up and ready. I'm not backing out of this fight. This is a three round match. Headgear, sixteen ounce gloves. I'm. Training camp starts soon, okay? I got finally I'm I'm in Connecticut. Finally my grass turned green, the snow's gone, spring is upon us, I'm gonna hit that road, start putting in my miles and getting ready. All right, you ready for this? You're gonna I was trying early.
1: to think about this earlier. Who so you said last time that we need to figure out who our judges are, yes. who our trainers are. I'm gonna give you Rafe as your trainer just because I feel like you need some, some support system in your back, in your back pocket over there. Him and, and I will wear try. half shirts
0: like Rocky 3, we will run on the beach. Maybe we can get CBS Sports to chronicle this, alright?
1: <laughs> I mean, Mikey's gonna be the ref. Who can we get as impartial judges here that aren't gonna favor one of us?
0: Um, uh, Dan Lambert. <laughs> King Mo Wall. <laughs>
1: So we're just going to do this at ATT as Bookie what you're Woman, saying. yes, Bookie Woman could be the third judge. Come on. I feel like if we come in, if we go to ATT and start saying, Hey, we're going to have a sparring match. If you guys don't mind, they would just start laughing at us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's probably not. Yeah.
1: Where do you work out
0: there? Is there some gym in Boca Raton that you sip, uh, flavored drinks between rounds or what, where is that?
1: This guy, he keeps talking so much smack. He keeps thinking, Oh, you just live this great lifestyle in Florida. Bro, I don't live in Boca. You know that. First of all, you always say that I live in Oakland Gardens, which is also not true. I am at title boxing. I know that they have, like, some reputation in the boxing game, but it's like, uh, it's just group classes, man. I'm uh, I'm getting right. right. I'm, I went the last three straight days, buddy. What would you do the last three days? Hey,
0: it's not what I've done. It's what I will do.
1: I'm a white boy, and I'm jacked. Deal with it. You're going to deal with it, okay? Pretty
0: soon, pretty soon, this 40-year-old's turning back the clock. Okay, what do you listed at? You're like six nine, all right? I'm six one and a half. I'm about two twenty three. Let's say you get me down to two fifteen. I'm ready. What about you? Six five.
1: Yes, I'm six five. Probably floating between two forty five and two fifty right. right now. All
0: right, I'll meet you in the middle here. I'm getting ready for this. Okay, I'm getting serious about this. It's time. The road to Wise, three rounds, life or death. By the way, one of us is going to win, but I'm telling you right now. You saw Max Holloway's five rounds on Saturday at 2.36, alright? You saw that effort. You saw him stand in there as his face was falling off the bones. That's me, alright? That's me. I'm coming.
1: I'm coming. Do it. Do we have a date yet? Because you keep doing all this talking, but we don't have like anything set.
0: Well, you know, I gotta stop traveling. Traveling's not good for prep for fight prep, all right?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're you're just living such a great life where you get to go to all these big events, stop and it. you can keep using that as your excuse. Stop
0: it! All right, that's the end of the show. That's it. I'm the boss.
1: I'm the boss. It's my way and no other yes, way.
0: The and- show's over. Get ready. Stay ready in the gym. I'm coming for you. That's it. Thank you for listening. I got two words for ya. We out.